All right, everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. I'm Clayton. And I am a romance novel veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hey, Erin. So this is a very exciting day. We have a really wonderful guest who, I have to say, guys, found out that I had a romance novel podcast and immediately segued into this book uh, over a year, I mean, two years ago now, that was pre-pandemic. Um, and I was like, you know, we have to read this book and we have to talk to you about it. So um, E.A. Hanks is a journalist, author, and romance reader. She has written for the New York Times, The Guardian, and Time Magazine. She has a book coming out from Simon & Schuster in 2023. E.A. currently lives in Los Angeles, and you can follow her on Twitter at E.A. Hanks. Welcome, E.A. Thanks so much for joining us. You guys, thank you for having me. I am pleased as punch to be here. Let me tell you. So before we talk specifically about The Windflower, I would love to know, I think the thing about the genre of romance that I love is everybody kind of finds her there in their own way. So how did you start reading romance? Reading romance for me was such a shameful secret for so long. So I'm so happy to be here and to share. Uh, Romance came to me in... Uh, My mom was not a soap opera person. She was not a movie person, but she was a huge reader and she read very, like very wide. She would, we had a lot of Shakespeare in our house, but we also had a lot of pulpy romance novels. So I really got it from my mom and her kindness to me was I was too embarrassed to buy romance novels. So I would get these huge stacks because I can read one, you know, essentially in an afternoon. And my mom had a rule that she would never say no to a book and she would always buy me as many books as I wanted, which was a great privilege. And so I would give her these like armloads of romance novels that I was too embarrassed to take up to the counter. And she would take the hit for me as it were. Um, (laughs) And then that's kind of how I got into it was it was definitely passed down in, in terms and the idea that you should read everything you can get your hand on and, and to not be snobbish about, about reading high or reading low. And then the windflower came to me because I, again, as my super secret shameful, I hid all my romance novels, which made them seem much sexier and dirtier than they were. Um, And I had a friend who had her romance novels like out on a shelf and she had brothers the way I had brothers. And I could not believe that someone would just like have their romance novels out on a shelf for like her dad to see. And so whenever, when the first time I spent the night at her house, I was like, oh my God, you're so brave. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're my hero. And so we started talking about romance novels and we did the first, you know, the, the basic, like, what are you into? And I'm a hurt comfort gal. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, well I have this book where she gets sexy malaria. (laughs) And I was like, sign, sign me up, sign me up. So that is how the windflower came to me. Um, but I chose it not only because I know that it's 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 a big book for a lot of people, but also it is, in fact, the only hard copy of a romance that I still own, oh. um, which I felt was said something. And so the copy I had 
in high school or middle school and then high school, eventually, I think I got rid of um, at some point, maybe when I moved away to college. But then midway through college, I was like, I think I need the Windflower back. And this is before iPhones. This is before sort of like being able to download books in two seconds. So I found the copy I currently have, which is in two separate pieces. <laughs> um, it is, in fact, the only thing I've ever bought on eBay. Oh, <laughs> so I tracked this down because for a long time it was out of print. So when you suggested, you're like, oh, we should talk about a romance book. I was like, well, it has to be The Windflower because it's the only one I still own. Because it was out of, it was impossible to get for 20 years from like 19 yeah. or 95 to I think 2014. Um, yeah. I don't know if this is a crass question, but like how much did you pay for it on eBay? I have no, no recollection. I'm sure it was like $4, you know, oh, something like that. Because then I saw... For the re-release on Kindle, uh, I read an article mm-hmm. about it, and it was like, oh, copies are going for over $100. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Really? Yeah. Wow. But now, was your eBay purchase already in two segments? <laughs> <laughs> no. What Clayton is referring to, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that this isn't a visual medium, but I'm holding up the two separate uh, my copy um, turns into a two-volume edition at page 260, which is when she gets malaria, just so you know. <laughs> um, you need to take a picture. We can put it on the socials of the Yes, yeah, that's what we'll do. I'll take a picture copy. and send it to you guys. Yeah, exactly. No, it originally came in a somewhat brittle but still bound-together edition. That's the thing that I think we lose with the Kindle uh all the Kindle editions. Well, it's wonderful that, you know, you could have all these books at once, but there is something great to looking mm. at someone's romance collection and seeing where the spine is like just holding on by a thread. <laughs> and you know, that is a good scene. Yes. I do have to say this is, this is, uh, this is going to be uh, unbearably name droppy, but since we're talking about um, books being creased at particular spaces, I was, uh, reading Lady Chatterley's Lover for the first time um, whilst sitting on the set of one of the Da Vinci Code movies. I, I can't remember. I, I, there's nine of them or three, two of I can't remember. But on one of them I was sitting and um, <laughs> no one knows. Sir, That's sir, no one knows. No one knows. No one's seen any of them. <laughs> Um, and Sir Ian McKellen came up to me and he said, oh, you know, what are you reading? And I said, oh, Lady Chatterley's Love. And he said, oh, that book. There was a, because it was banned, of course, in, in England. He said, that book went around and we, we would all pass it around, you know, under the desks. And by the time it got to me, you could throw it down and it would just <laughs> fall open to the nasty bits. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the idea that I just love the idea that Ian McCullen's copy of Lady Shatterley's Lover was, um, you know, it fell apart at page six two sixty. <laughs> that's so funny. I was hoping he'd come up and be like, "Oh, that's good." But have you ever read The Windflower? <laughs> <laughs> I know I that would like be a better Ian story. Sorry, McCullen might be into The Windflower. <laughs> listen boy so let's put a pin in that because that is something i really want to talk about oh, sure. about serene mckellen which romance he would be into or <laughs> when I, no I just how queer the the queer coded characters in in oh, this queer. book and the and oh, yeah yes. and the 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 undertones of of gay love in this book and how it's treated mm-hmm. yes okay Great. Well, and so you mentioned like you're you're showing up to your mom at the bookstore with just like 
your arms full. Um, yes. What? Who are your like must read, automatic download authors? Like, who are you? Who are you going back mm. to? Yeah, these days I'm very. Uh, I'm very loyal to Juliet, Juliet Marler, who's a New Zealand author, and she kind of does high fantasy romance. That sort of thing. She wrote um, a series called The Seven Waters Trilogy, which is I've recommended to a lot of people. And then the str- my like kind of straight up romance. I'll read everything she does is a writer named Grace Burroughs who does mostly Regency, mostly historical stuff. I really love her heroes and heroines. They're, they have a great um, pragmatism, if that makes any sense. She really specializes in a kind hero and a thoughtful heroine, which, which I enjoy. And then lately my new kind of favorite is I, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this name, but I think it's Jeff Kennedy, J-E-F-F-E Kennedy. Those are my kind of, those are my go-tos. And then I would say that if someone was trying to get into romance for the first time, my like gateway drug, I would probably send them, uh, what was it? A big, oh, Nora Roberts's Dance on the Air, I think would would be my gateway, which is like a classic it's a little witchy. It's got a good hero. It's cozy. It's sexy. It's a lot of fun. So that's my, that's my that's my gateway recommend. That's, yeah. For for all the virgins out there. Nice. Representing the virgins. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. we yeah. we read one Nora Roberts book and we've been our audience is like you need to give her another shot cuz I think the one we read was uh uh a ghost book we did it for halloween and we didn't love it oh i see but i think we need to think of what it was yeah we really need to dig into her kind of all-star ones to really you know give give her the kind of thought that i don't love everything that she does because a lot of her stuff is for lack of a better word vanilla but i think like the hits the hits are good Mm -hmm. you know she writes but you know the misses are she writes, so, yeah. I mean, how do you crack into someone who has, you know, an oeuvre of over, she must have over 80 titles at this oh, point. more than that. I, she does like a book a year. She's like a machine. Yeah. yeah. Um, Crazy. Oh, and then finally, the big question, what are your mm. go-to tropes? So you mentioned sickbed as a trope you oh, love? Her, okay. Yes, I love a sickbed. Um, I love a, like, I love a rake. I love a rogue. I love a, I like a, 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 you know, a bad guy who's obviously a good guy. Um, I love a blue stocking heroine. Mm. I love like, I love a little smarty pants. And I, I really think I'm a big believer that I think modern romance really, it's all, everyone's going to bat off Pride and Prejudice, right? Like that is kind of the, the, the beginning of the genre. And because of this, I'm very postular f- to enemies to lovers. Yeah. That's, that's one of my favorite tropes for sure. Done well. Yeah. What about you guys? I feel like I've listened to some episodes, but I know Clayton loves a rake. I do. I do. I love, mm. I love a good alpha too. I love an alpha. I love mm. hidden places is one of my favorites. I love that. Anytime there's like a secret yeah. garden or uh you know some some sort of hidden room, I love it. Mm. Mm. You know, this actually this has one of my favorite tropes too, which is women in pants. 
when when wh- women in pants when women dress like especially like you just never got over the true confessions of charlotte doyle another great another great girl on a pirate ship i was gonna yeah. say this is like grown up charlotte doyle yes uh, which what a yes. perfect Good call. If, you, if you, anyone out there has like a 12 year old in your life who just like isn't fitting in you got to get this book to her now <laughs> truth women in pants i love that one clayton i hadn't i hadn't thought about that that's a good trope that's a great one and then one that mm. we just so we just read uh alisa Kleipas book last episode which was blue-eyed devil mm-hmm. a book that i did not like and and the audience some of the audience said i was too harsh on which i can agree i was a little i listened to that episode <laughs> but there was the scene at the beginning uh where the heroine goes down into a wine cellar and mistakenly makes out with someone she thinks is her significant other. I mean, the way you talked about the scene made me want to read the book because it sounded super hot. It's great. And that's a trope that I think I am really want to look for going forward is, is that misunderstanding? Cause I Mm. just, there was something about it that I was like, Ooh, just made the hairs Mm. stand up on the back of my neck. Yeah. Mm. So, there you go. Aaron, what are your favorite tropes? I love um I mean I love a I love a sick bed scene. Oh, like mm. someone's in peril. I love that. Yes. I I like grumpy sunshine. I like grumpy oh, lady. Yeah. yeah sunshine yeah, yeah. lady. Either way. I'm grumpy and sunshine. I hate everyone but you. I love mm. toxic, toxic <laughs> ones. Um <laughs> No judgment. The same, same like fantasy yeah, is fantasy. Exactly. There's a lot in romance that I enjoy that I don't want to experience yeah. in my day to day life. Um, mm. Women, uh, I mean, blue stockings as well. The the part of me that I don't love loves a secret baby. Oh, really? You know, secret baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, she had a secret baby. No, just she's like gonna a secret have a pregnancy, secret baby? rather. Oh, okay. Got it. Like, I like that reveal is always like very heartbreaking because then he's always like, I don't know. I find those scenes to be great. Grace Burroughs has a lot of secret babies. Mm -hmm. Once the baby (laughs) is born, I think we got to let him in on the secret. But I think if it's a like, I'm just going to try to keep this a secret. Oh, the the baby is the hero's baby. Yeah. Got. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Grace Burroughs has a lot of like, this woman has worldly sadness and I'm drawn to it and I can't figure out why. And then it's mm. like, oh, she had a baby. Oh, she had a baby. Where, where's the baby? That sort of thing. No, no, that's different. Uh, so secret. That's pregnancy. not you. Okay. Secret early pregnancy. Secret, se- secret early pregnancy. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, and then I All right. This. Well, now I feel like I know you guys better. Yeah. So let's um, real quick judge these covers. Mm. So we only do. English language covers just because otherwise we're opening a whole box of worms that we're not able to deal with. kettle of fish. Yeah. Yeah. Let's judge these covers. (laughs) So we have the original paperback from 1984, the mass market re-release that EA has in our hot little hands in 1994. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have the Kindle 2014. Thoughts, feelings. Well, so the, oh, you want to go first, EA? No, no, no. I was going to say, I'm uh, going well, to let Clayton So go the original 1984, I <laughs> love that font. The Windflower font is so cool looking. The, mm. It's weird how they're straining to kiss each other from so far away that it's like, it. yeah, the, the, distance, <laughs> the distance is is, the distance. is so far and the strain is so evident, especially in her neck. 
I like it only because it's such an old school looking cover to me. And this, I think, is the oldest book that we've read. Something that was originally published in 1984. This actually, this cover looks more like even 70s to me than 80s. But there's something about it that I just really like. Yeah, I love this cover. I think this cover is like, I love anything that's got like a full color scheme happening, like fuchsias and purples and oranges. Mm -hmm. And it's very like Caribbean, Caribbean hotness, (laughs) Um, which I love because then the book opens in a, you know, a frigid New England town, which maybe one of our hosts knows something about, Aaron. I have been to the storied fair. <laughs> frigid New England. Yeah. I have been cold in New England. I love this book mm. too. Also that she has red hair and he is blonde, which is mm-hmm. canon. And no, I the, the 1984 mm-hmm. I do think is perfect. It's also like an oil painting, which like, can we just bring that back? I just love yeah. these painted like... I love this cover so much that if there was a print of it, I would just put it on my wall because I think it's amazing. Between them, we see the sea, I believe, um, mm-hmm. and the sun setting. And it just is like it. We talk a lot about what the cover is portraying and mm-hmm. that being kind of the thing with cartoon covers. We beat that too much. But if I look at this, if you told me nothing, you just hand me this book, I'd be like, it's a romance. They're at sea. Mm-hmm. Lots of drama. Straining. Yeah. Like, I get yeah, it all yeah. from this cover. I think it. this cover is like perfection. I think this cover is unrepentant. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I am a big, gooey, dramatic romance buckle up, as opposed to the mass market 94, which is what I have, which is like, it's got both. Yes. <laughs> There's a broach. Take this book seriously. It's got boats. And I am curious about the 1994. So it's like a purple cover. There's a cartoon ship sailing out of a brooch. Um, There's a very like Jolly Roger mm-hmm. sort of Peter Pan pirate ship. Yeah. On a, on a brooch on a lying upon a bed of silk that has what I assume are windflowers yeah. uh, printed on the silk. But then on the spine, thank God I have an addition here, but on the spine is a image oh. of, um, of what we can assume is Devin and Mary. And they're looking I very that. airbrushed. Put that on yeah. the cover. Switch those two yeah. icons. Yeah, and it's also oh, on the back. that's awesome. Yes. That's, That's a, a great cover. So, yeah. so question about this cover, though. This book was written by two people, Sharon and Tom Curtis, under the name Laura London. And in this, the 1994, they use their original name, their real names on this cover. I was wondering what, what the impetus for that was. Yeah. Mysteries. Yeah. I have no idea. Because then... As we move on to the 2014. Oh, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> We're back to Laura <laughs> London. Um, yeah. What mm. is everyone's thoughts on the, the 2014, the paperback and Kindle version? I literally I feel don't like nothing it. about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> just so bland. She's not redheaded. He's not blonde enough. And it's, I mean, thank God it's not a cartoon cover, mm. obviously, because it would be him with his arms crossed, leaning against the bow of a boat, and her dressed like a pirate. 
just shrugging. So that's way better. But yeah, it, it doesn't invoke any strong feelings. It's just so generic. For what is inside this book, it does not prepare people. Mm. Yeah. No, it makes it look like... Yes. And there's so much in this book. Yes. It makes it look like a 90s rom-com about like a couple, which I think existed, who are like shipwrecked or something. But everything's fine. Or they just go on a Hawaiian mm. vacation. It just... It's not... He's also sure. Yeah, this book, this book, the cover of this book makes me think like, oh, a someone staying at a Hawaiian resort falls in love with someone and then it turns out he (laughs) owns the hotel. Like, that's what that cover makes me think. It's not like. Where is the windflower? Yeah, yeah, that's what it looks like. It doesn't look like young virgin lives on a ship and gets threatened with rape for 12 (laughs) years but still falls in love (laughs) 12 years 12 months yeah yeah the power of love i also just want to put it out there if anyone has the og cover of the windflower version of it like get in touch if you're looking i'll pay (laughs) i'm ready i want it it'll be the second thing i buy on ebay Um, okay, so now we need to do what was this book about? EA, do you want to take a shot at it as our no, guest? No, I, okay. I, I want to hear, I want to hear the fish verge. All right, Clayton, what was this book about? God, there's so much. So, so this book is about Mary, Mary Wildling, who was, okay, so let's see. <laughs> Basically, like, because we want to get to, there's so much going on in this book. So, so much. just do like she high above, just like big points. Yeah, she's kidnapped, uh, mistakenly taken to a ship, the Black Joke. Uh, oh, so beforehand she was at a tavern. She met Devin, who is a hero pirate, who she thought she was gonna die, and she ended up not. And he kissed her, and it was amazing. And then. They, she gets kidnapped on the ship. Aaron, this doesn't help that you're laughing at me. <laughs> I'll turn off my camera if you need me to. Sorry. No, this is this one is, of my worst ones. This no, is, this is so. This good. is old school Clayton. No, this is so Clayton because you're nailing it, and I'm obsessed. Like spoiler, alert, I'm obsessed with this accurate book. Accurate portrayal yeah. of what it is to read this book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're doing such a good job. I'm not even. I'm not bullshitting. Okay. So she accident. She accidentally gets kidnapped. She, yeah, she accidentally gets kidnapped. She's on this. She's on the ship. She she had already uh, seen Rand Morgan, but she meets Rand Morgan, who's like the captain of of the Black Joke. She meets Cat. She meets Raven. Cat, uh, one of the best side characters to ever exist in any book. And so Devin thinks that she is a, is like a traitor because she was in the bed of Michael Granville, who's his enemy. She's trying to say no, but she's still kind of lying to him. She tries to escape a few times. They fall in love. Then they end up docking in England where they uh, you find out about Devin's uh, background and Morgan's background. And you find out about Kat's background. And then they obviously fall in love and live happily ever after. Does that sum it up okay? She falls in love with Devin. Yeah. She what did I say? Devin. She falls in love with yeah. Devin. Yeah, she falls in love with Devin. But everyone falls in love with Mary. Everyone yes. falls in love with Mary. Everybody on the boat is so into Mary. Mary, M-E-R-R-Y, not yes. M-A-R-Y. Yes, a yeah. very big distinction. I think the only thing missing from this is that there's like a geopolitical angle in that 
Mary is American, Devin is English, and they are, and the reason why she gets kidnapped is because, you know, she's accidentally kidnapped, but then she stays because Devin recognizes her from the tavern, and he assumes that she is some sort of spy, Mm -hmm. and she won't, she's really bad at lying, but she basically spends this long on the ship because she's covering for her brother who is yes. working for the American Revolution. Because he was there in the tavern to sketch. Well, to, she was there to sketch yes. the, the, um, the pirates, basically. Yes. Yeah. 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 This really tested my memory of the War of 1812. Of which I knew yeah, basically. Because it's not the yeah. yeah, it's not the revolution, but there's still it's still England v America. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, okay, so Clayton, what were your what were your thoughts? So it was kind of hard to adjust to reading this book at the beginning because let's just say the writing was florid. Mm-hmm. But once you get into that rhythm, you kind of get enraptured by it because there's some really there, there is some like overly detailed stuff that I feel like was extraneous, but then you'll get these, you'll get some, some of these pieces will just enrapture you. Like some of the writing will just, just totally enrapture you in a way that like I'd never experienced before in a romance novel. There's just like a lot of writing going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I, there was parts that I really, really enjoyed. And I do think, like I said before, and we'll get into it, like, Someone like Kat, the way that that character was so well-drawn and so interesting and different was so interesting to me. Like, I'd never really experienced a side character that captured my interest as much, I think, as Kat did. Mm. But I liked it. I mean, overall, I do think it's – I understand why people either love it so much – or just can't get into it at all. Like, I, I kind of see both sides of it. Yeah, it's a big swing. It's a big romance novel with a big R. One of the reasons why I was excited to talk about it with you guys is because I figured it was probably the oldest thing that you guys had covered. Mm-hmm. And in a way, it shows you how far the genre has come. Yeah. Even in something as basic as Mary is... a is essentially what we would call in, in fan fiction terms, like she's a Mary Sue, like she's perfect essentially. Right. And Mm -hmm. the first thing that we really get about Mary is that she's drop dead gorgeous and seems completely oblivious to it, Mm -hmm. which is a, trope that you really don't see that often in modern romance, because how many women are drop dead gorgeous and just don't happen to notice. Yep. So there's some there's something really old school about the tropes and the way that they're handled and the characters. And I I'm I'm so glad you love Cat because Cat the problem with Cat is Cat's more interesting than our than our hero and heroine, I I think. Yeah. By far. I think almost all of the sailors I wish they had their own spin-offs. I really wish this was like, and now we get Cat story, and then we get Raven story, and then we get Will Saunders story, and then we get a, like a prequel that's Cook and Annie's story. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I love that you love Cat because I I love Cat too. Aaron, wh- what were your thoughts? What did you think? This is very important. No, I had the same experience where I think as I started it, I was like, yeah, this is a lot, and then. <laughs> 
obsessed with it and obs- and like reading it like every few minutes like last night Pat was watching TV and I was on the couch just reading this book like enthralled and it mm. did such a it, it is such a well-written book in that I don't like just the joy of it like once you settle into like there are a lot of jokes about Mary getting raped and people getting raped and that's yeah. hard but once you get past, yeah. like, you realize that's not going to happen, you can really kind of settle yeah. in. And it is just really fun. And the turn of phrases that happen in this book, like, it is a genuinely very, very funny book, which is very hard to do. And mm. the way that a lot of tropes are subverted, I find to be so interesting. I mean, my favorite is kind of at the end of the book, Devin and Mary are in bed, and he's like, I just want to like basically fuck you so good that your soul leaves your body and intermingles with my soul. And then we have a new soul and she just goes, yipes. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's a yeah. lot in a way that yeah. I think the book is really aware of what it's doing in a way that I find to be so interesting and makes it such a joy to read, especially as somebody who's read I don't even know how many romance novels and talked about, I don't even know how many romance novels to have something that mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, I am really excited to talk about this. Cause you know, to be honest, it's like sometimes we read these books and it's like, it's a good book. I don't really know what we're going to talk about for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. This I'm like, I hope we are managing to talk about a sliver of all the things that you could talk about with this book, which I think it's a, uh, thank you for bringing it to us. And I love it. Oh. Yeah. My pleasure. I think what's interesting about the book as a text is a lot happens, much more so than happens in your sort of standard contemporary romance novel at this point. Because your standard romance novel at this point is setup, introduction, conflict, sex, conflict, maybe a set piece, an action sequence happily ever after Mm -hmm. that's kind of it right you know and Mm -hmm. this is because rand morgan who is the captain of the black joke he ends up being the puppeteer of all of these events that happen from mary the reason mary's in the wrong cabin and and therefore is kidnapped is a servant puts ants in her suitcase and then it turns out that the like not only was the ants a plant the servant was a plant because it turns out two generations ago rand morgan was in love with mary's mother and Mm -hmm. had this whole you know 30 year long con scheme to get devon and mary together so it turns out the whole thing is like a meat cute (laughs) that involves threats of rape (laughs) And and um, Mary getting getting Mary goes through it. Mary, she goes, she goes, she gets bludgeoned. She gets yeah. dunked. She die almost dies a couple of times. She, she gets, gets the aforementioned sexy malaria. Yeah. She gets drugged. She gets threatened with rape a lot. She almost dies of exposure on a on an island. She falls through the ceiling of a like a goose shed. <laughs> she, she just, you know, she really, she really goes through it. Um, 
but my point was, you know, so much happens in this book. It's really written from top to bottom. I mean, it, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of interstitial relationship and there's a lot of hints. What I'm fascinated in is the hints at all the stories you're not seeing, all the relationships between secondary and tertiary characters. I mean, we get, for instance, there's a mention of Cook and Annie, Annie is um, runs one of R Rand Morgan's houses, and when Mary is dying, the ship goes to this island so that she can basically die in in peace. And of course, she recovers, and we meet Co the cook. We we don't know Cook's real name. He's just Cook. Cook uh, Cook's wife Annie, and they hint that when they first met, <laughs> Cook was abusing Annie so brutally that Cat. Uh, took Annie away from him and said, if you can't treat your toy nicely, um, then, you know, you don't get to have it. And then eventually they fell in love. <laughs> and that's okay. So it, there's, and, you know, to say nothing of Rand and Kat's relationship, Rand and um, Devin's relationship, Kat and Mary's relationship, there's just, it's very rich in a way that I think that most romance novels these days um, are happy to stay in clearly marked lanes. And yes. the Windflower has a lot going on that you can... I've always been surprised that there isn't more fan fiction for the book because there's so many avenues not taken. And I think if the book were to come out now, it would be one of those texts that generates a lot of fan work because there's so much hinted at that never gets fully played out. That, that's a great when you mentioned it coming out now i was thinking about that and it, like you said the current state of romance which there's great romances being written all the time of and course. there's great ones that that are, are that just came out but there is a level of investment in mm -hmm. something like this that i'm not sure how many people would initially do it this feels to me like this would be a book if it came out now that comes out some people talk about it and then a few people read it and just advocate for it mm -hmm. in a way where it'd be like you have to read this you have to read this and then people would eventually be like okay i'll try it and then they mm -hmm. would get into it and they, it would be this like slow build for a book like this because the level of investment you have to give to it is so much more than most new romances that you find mm -hmm. yeah so i find this i find this to be fascinating like whether or not it would be a hit if it came out now the other thing that just tickles me is knowing that this was a, a husband and wife who wrote this mm -hmm. and how much fun hopefully they were having writing this book because it feels that way it feels like they really were just like Let's do this. No, let's do this. Oh, this would be great if we did this. Oh, and then this happens to her. Like the kind of fun they're having putting Mary through the ringer. Just I find that to be incredibly romantic <laughs> in itself yeah. to think of a husband and wife writing this book together. I also think that the book showcases something that usually makes for good genre writing, which is an event happens 
so this happens, therefore this happens, but this happens, as opposed mm-hmm. to a lot of contemporary ro- romance, which can be defined as a pleasurable version of this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. There's a lot of the plot backtracks on itself when people learn information, relationships have setbacks that are significant, um, geopolitical events throw things off course and then there's like the chaos of living on a pirate ship there's just a lot happening that has a joyous frisson I agree with you and the dialogue is often really witty repartee a lot of humor is made out of the fact that pirates are going to speak a certain way and a prim you know virgin from New England is not really going to understand what they're saying and so there there's a lot of talking around Mary in in English that she doesn't understand, which I also think mm-hmm. is really funny. Yeah, this this book has this book has like Aaron said previously, it's so funny, but it's the the humor comes from the unique world that's being built and the unique characters that live inside it. Mm-hmm. And and it is they they do talk and they are witty, but it's not the attempt it's not like everybody's speaking like a rom com character. No, you know, uh, trying to be witty, like trying to be the funny person. They're just naturally, yeah, like Cat. Again, to go back to Cat, there is a. He says to Mary that you know it, it's an idle threat. He's they're going to put her up on the block to sell, and she's mm-hmm. you know disgusted by that or scared by that idea. And he's like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. It's cool to know how much you're worth. <laughs> and I just thought that's like such a funny. Yeah, thing and such a funny thought, and it's so blithely like, yeah, sure, well, it's great to know how much you're worth. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's so funny. It's just so organically part of that character that I just I laughed out loud. Yeah, and yeah, there's a lot of throwaways, like a lot of like we don't have to put too much emphasis on this. It's a throwaway line, and that makes it even funnier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's so much in this book too. Just talking about the writing that like the seeds planted at the beginning really come to fruition in a way that, you know, we've read tons of books, seen tons of movies. I feel like now there's a lot more like signaling, like, guys, this is important. This is important. Where this, I'm just, you're just like reading scenes and Mary's just like drawing people. And that's just like something she does with her brother. And you don't real like that. Everything comes back around, like even the unicorn, which when you're reading that at the beginning, you're like, oh, now what in the God's name is this fucking, (laughs) Is this unicorn about? But it all pays off and it's all a reason and everything in a way that I think is like brilliantly done. And I agree too about the side characters that it's like, they're so well done that you can see them all just walking off this page and into their own book. Even if you just see them for a few minutes. Yes. Even the guy who takes Mary with him and he can't read the map and the map's upside down. And then north and east and west is all wrong. He ends up getting eaten by an alligator. But it's like you can imagine he had a whole life that led him to that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Michael, Michael Meadows. Meadows is his name. Yeah. yeah. There's yep. one I'm thinking of like throwaway lines. It's a scene. It's it's the scene where um, Mary's recovering and she's made a fatal. She doesn't know it yet. And maybe even readers haven't noticed that she's making a fatal error and that she's drawing as as a way to pass the time in her recovery her sexy recovery um she's been given a pad of paper and pencils by morgan and she she 
wonders if that is bodes ill for her if he's figured something out but she can't she's too drawn to the art and she's too bored so she takes up drawing and everyone can see how talented she is so this that is what's happening in the foreground but in the background cook is sitting and annie's asleep on on him and uh uh Cook makes a joke that hints at Morgan and Kat having a sexual relationship of some sort. And in his nervousness, he goes to stand up and Rand says, like, no, 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 sit. Can't, you know, your wife is asleep. And Cook says, so she is. Bless her little soul. Did the same thing yesterday. Dropped right off to sleep in the middle of the day. I suppose I wake her up too many times at night, he said with self-reproach. That drew sputters of outright laughter from his listeners. On one occasion in particular, Morgan said rather obscurely, which is like a total throwaway. But that's Morgan hinting at, yeah, she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's falling asleep because she's pregnant. And it's never mentioned again. It's not a huge plot point, but it's something that if the readers choose to read that closely, you can pick up like, oh, Annie's pregnant. Interesting. How is that? Does does that mean Cook stays on the island when they leave? Or, you know, what does it mean? There's so many little things, especially as they pretend, uh, pertain to Rand, because I don't think you figure out until maybe the very end of the book how he has he knew Mary's mother. He put the servant in the house to keep an eye on them. He set up the whole thing about him being her being in Michael Granville's cabin. So she would get kidnapped. So she'd be on the joke so that she and Devin would fall in love. So blah, 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 blah. Like you don't, there's so many little throwaway hints and jokes that hint at this huge epic plan, but you don't really get it until the very, very end of the book. It's a, it's, you know, there's a, there's a, it's, there's a lot going on. Yes. Yeah, I think it doesn't, yeah, like you said, it doesn't exist. I mean, maybe within fantasy you have this level of, like, world building and this big of a book of, like, so many things going on. It doesn't seem to happen, yeah, like we've said now. But let's, I mean, Rand Morgan is such a interesting character for not being the hero. And I think the only Mm. part of this book that I think falls a little short is... So many of the side characters are so well drawn and well thought out that I feel like we lose something with Devin, mm, you I know, agree. where like Devin doesn't feel as like at the end when we're in his house and we're meeting his family, then I'm like, okay, now I like Devin. But previous to that, it's really hard to get to really touch down on him and his feelings in a way that you're able to with other characters more quickly. But yeah, so let's, you know, you've, you've mentioned it a few times, but let's talk about sort of the, the, coded uh homosexuality and sort of what is what is going on there i'll be honest i don't really care for devin and mary all that much i think they're fine Mm -hmm. i i like him i'm i'm sorry to the sisterhood but i like him more than i like her although on this reread i did realize that as a teenager i was pretty unfair to mary um i'm more inclined to like her now but i still think she's such a mary sue that it's 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 um it's a little frustrating. And all of my attention was always on Raven and Kat and Will Saunders. Cause I was just like, these people are fascinating. And 
readers should know if you haven't read the book, it comes with it, it problematic doesn't even begin there. You know, it takes place in the Caribbean. There's multiple references to um, buying and selling human beings. And yet there's virtually no conversation about slavery. I think there's a handful of c- characters of color. Rape is discussed freely, openly and without any, you know, portent. <laughs> it's, um, but the one thing that I find really interesting is uh, the queer coding of a couple characters. So Kat is queer coded pretty blatantly, I think. Um, although they, he also gets accused of having romantic feelings for Mary. He's kind of her nursemaid once she arrives. And um, they talk a lot about how Kat was bought from a house of pleasure by Rand and when he went as a young child and it's hinted that Rand didn't use him sexually but they also Rand and Kat talk to each other like romantic partners do when they're bickering and Rand there's a scene where um Mary is dying and Rand essentially blames Kat, who's been nurse, who has kept her alive this long. Uh, Rand blames him. I don't really know why as a way to galvanize Kat to work harder to keep her alive. I'm not sure. Like Rand's psychological games, I find kind of mystifying sometimes. Um, But yeah, there's what do you guys think of the relationship between Kat and Rand? Well, there was that. There was a few scenes like that where I thought there was one where they were in a room together, and basically Cat's just getting dressed. He's naked. Yeah, and, and he's brushing his long, beautiful he's brushing hair. Brushing his long hair, and it yeah. looks like a, a woman's hair. And the way yeah. they talk, because I think I think Rand even says "babe" or yes, something, like, he calls him babe. He's babe. Yeah, and I thought, oh, huh. Okay, maybe, but yeah. there's never any like definitive, but I definitely felt the undertones there. And I was yeah. like, hmm, this is really interesting. I wonder what I, you know, I wonder what their relationship actually is. And I definitely felt that throughout the book. And then I did do a little bit of, I don't usually do a lot of, let's see what the internet says, because that <laughs> always leads to uh, nothing but <laughs> awfulness. But I think for something like Windflower, it's it is just people who are romance readers and love this book and their thoughts. And I guess there is supposedly people who do stand them as a couple. Yeah. Like there oh, is sure. like a element of people being like, oh, Rand and Cat, they sh- they are together. But a lot of people think that that's that's it's not a sexual relationship. So I I don't know. I don't I don't think that they've been sexually in, in, entwined, but I think there is definitely an undercurrent of something there. It's undeniable. Yeah. Uh, to the point where other characters make jokes about it. Mm-hmm. Right, because yeah. many times people ask Rand, like, why didn't you keep Mary for yourself? And it is basically mm-hmm. because he was in love with her mother, but also yeah. uh, Devin even says a few times, like, he's not interested in young women. Like, how safe he yeah. is. The relationship between Kat and Rand to me felt like a relationship of just like an older gay man and a younger gay man. And the that yeah, 
Yeah. I see that. And not even, I mean, were they sexual together or not, I think is a little bit irrelevant, but it feels like two people who know each other in an intimate way that the world at large doesn't. And so when they're together, mm-hmm. you know, when you have a, a part of your identity that you share with somebody that, that maybe you're not ready to share with the world, there's an intimacy that can exist mm. between you and another person mm. who shares that same aspect mm. of your identity. Yeah. And that's always how I felt it. I, I never felt that they had actually, I, I, or like I said before, I do think it's ultimately irrelevant. I think we find out yeah. when we find out why Rand actually purchased Kat, which is that he is friends with Kat's father, who is a, Member of the peerage in England. Another, Another duke. duke. Littered with yeah. dukes. Mm-hmm. How are all these dukes' sons ending up on the auction block in the Caribbean? <laughs> Listen, his took mother a, was yeah. an opiate Took a actress. left somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Not You know, things don't always end up the way we had hoped. But I... But even before we knew that, Rand purchasing Cat and then not, like, using him. Because they talk about the, the time yeah. when... I don't know if that's the right word using, but um, there, the time when, you know, Kat first meets Rand and there's two men in the room and he's like, listen, I don't normally do two at once. So like, if you guys want to like draw straws and yeah, they, he's like, no, 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 we're not doing that. It's still, I still understood why Rand would see Kat and be like, no, let's take him in even bef- yeah. before all of those added things. So yeah. yeah. I think what's interesting, I think that's what's so fascinating about queer coding, right? It's not meant to imply a specific relationship, but it's meant to hint to the reader that there's other things going on. The thing that I find most interesting is both queer coded characters, Rand and Kat, are described as being in love with women that they want, but never consummate their desire for so Rand was in love with Mary's mother and um, Devin and Rand accuse Kat of not having quite so sexless interest in Mary Um, and yet it's hinted at that it would never really happen between the two of them for uh, unspoken reasons but I'm Mm -hmm. interested in the way that Kat really becomes Mary's caregiver and it play I think the queer between the kind of nursemaid sort of uh, um purpose and then the queer coding there's something hinting at Mary's gay best friend um and I'm just sort of fascinated in how a book that came out in the 80s like how queer coding worked in the 80s essentially which is like they're gay but we're not going to talk about it also they are in love with women but it's different it's like there's just a lot of information going on and there there is that scene on the beach at the party on the beach where cat is in the middle of having sex with a woman up against a tree yeah but i think it's also Pirate. Yeah, pirate. It, it, pirate. Pirate rules. <laughs> and pirate Rand rules. talks about like, oh, we're going to go to land and we're going to like find some women to blow off some steam. And who knows yeah. if those also said like cheekily and that said kind of as a joke or knowing like we're going to find some mm. women. But I think also, you know, um, sexuality is a spectrum. So it's like I yeah. understand I, that doesn't sort of take it, take it away from you. Although I was surprised with, with that no. scene. I'm just I'm just fascinated that the, that the book that the book chose to yeah. go there that the book has it at all I think is interesting. What do you guys think of Mary? 
I like Mary. I I, I get you the do. Mary Sue of it all. I do think you see her really change throughout the book. And also she was 18 and she lived with a spinster aunt yeah. with yeah. servants, um, obviously very wealthy, but with servants who she said treated her like a child and that they would tell her what to do every yeah. day and she would kind of do it. So yeah. when she is then abducted by pirates, <laughs> it can be uh, her, the way that she went about deciding what she was doing and the way that she acted you saw her change subtly over time where she ends up at the end being able to like really go toe for toe very wittily with Devin at the end and all the other pirates and her confidence in herself. And she talks about when she goes to that ball that Devin's grandmother throws, how all these men are coming up to her Mm -hmm. and kind of like really engaging with her because she acts with a level of self-confidence and is able to sort of volley things back to them that would belie her age and that she would that made her really entrancing. And I, I don't know. I really liked her. I thought she really grew as a character. Also, she's 18. She's so young, which is another thing with romance novels. We could talk about how young the heroines tend to be. But, um, so her being naive, like kind of made sense to me in a way that sometimes, you know, I love a blue stocking as we've established, but I think that sometimes Mm -hmm. The pendulum swings so far with like, no, we need to show these heroines as like strong, independent women, which great. I don't have a problem with, but then they. Yeah, but that can get very yeah, brutal. And they are yeah. overly so where they always do the right thing and they always know what to do. And they're always a few steps ahead where it's like, I don't know if you captured a 18 year old girl sheltered from Connecticut and put her on a pirate ship. I don't know yeah. that she would know exactly what to do or say the right. I things. think you're right. I think these are all valid points. Maybe I've been too hard. On <laughs> I could see reading her as a teenager though, and just being so seething with jealousy that I just <laughs> couldn't. <laughs> yeah. I think I like her much more yeah. now. And I think that, I think you're right. I think the, the best writing happens with Mary growing up. And how she learns to acclimate to the situation that she's in. And it gets to the point where even when she went that scene, when they get to England and Devin takes her to his uncle and she just, and it's, it's a whole, it's essentially the Poirot scene where, right. You, where you find out who did it and how all these people are, are connected to each other. And she realizes that her aunt and, Devin's mother are good friends and her aunt who she's been trying to get to for you know all these months is nearby and she's she jumps up to try to run out and she and Devin get in this you know tussle even Devin says like oh she kind of knows how to fight Mm -hmm. now like he she gets in a couple good clocks (laughs) (laughs) which I thought it was like all right Mary literally okay Mary work it yeah Yeah. what did you think of her Clayton I mean, I agree. I kind of am the same boat with Aaron, too, in that sense of I felt like she needed to be at a certain level of naivete in order to have this experience impact her as much as we see it happen. Mm. And I think that was the thing that I enjoyed, too, with I mean, there was, you know, like like you said, also, yeah, I don't know if she was as interesting as a character as the people surrounding her but her journey definitely was something that i was psyched once she reached that level of oh i i can handle myself now and it was through all this adversity i mean you know she i mean everything she went through i mean you know 
she's a guy getting eaten by a crocodile. That's something that you don't see. Most 18 year olds <laughs> don't get to see that. Um, you know what I mean? So I did. I think I enjoyed her in that aspect. What about Devin? Devin was the one for me that I, he just didn't do it for me. Yeah. I really wish there was something more interesting about him and a little bit special. Just he 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 just seemed kind of bland in comparison to, to who was around him. I mean, definitely hot guy. <laughs> I'm not. Listen, guy was hot. And I'm not going to deny that he's a smoke show, but as a character, he did leave me wanting. Yeah, I agree. I think he just wasn't. Yeah, he suffered from everyone else being so well written that then I think they're just what and then there was nothing left for Devin. But I must say once we're off the pirate ship and we're in London with just him and Mary I that's when I really came to love him and I really liked him a lot. That's kind of like a whole different book, yeah. to be honest. Mm-hmm. We change books. But like while he's on the pirate ship, he really is kind of he comes in, he comes out, like he'll yeah. leave for a significant amount of time. And so you can tell that everyone really respects him, but there's so much mystery around him that I think it's hard to really feel a certain way until yeah. you know. The sequel you read immediately. I also think, like, I like my heroes with, like, a very light smattering of condescension. Mm -hmm. And I think because Mary starts off so naive, he's really condescending to her for, like, 75% of the book. And there's um there's a scene, it's the scene on the beach where Mary is forced to come down to the beach to kind of witness the 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 debauchery that happens when with the pirates when she's not there and that's when she sees like cat fuckings oh do we do we is this an f-bomb show okay (laughs) i was gonna say you guys cover you guys carry covered morning glory milking farm so if i can't drop an f-bomb i don't know what's (laughs) up um that was a thing where i i was like gosh there's a lot of there's a lot of problematic stuff in this book i don't know and then when i saw you guys had covered that book i was like oh we're fine (laughs) this with this is well within the safe boundaries so when she goes down to the beach basically a an, another pirate um swings by i think it's another pirate and he has a wanted poster and devin recognizes the sketch on the wanted wanted poster and he recognizes it as being mary's drawing which ends up being the payoff for you know the um the mistake that she made in taking the the drawing gifts from rand and that to Devin, he's now laboring under the misapprehension that she is a spy, that she's not a virgin, that she was Michael Granville's whore, that she's been lying to him this entire time. And he basically assaults her, you know, to to, you know, to um, a greater or lesser extent. Well, he really scares the shit out of her and he pushes her around. And then later when they're married and he knows the truth about her and she says like, you know, you almost, you assaulted me that night. And he says something like, which really gets me. He says something like, you know, have a care, Mary, you're getting close to hearing an apology. It's like, (laughs) well, or you could just apologize. (laughs) You, you know, you could say, I'm sorry. I, I threatened you with rape for the 20th time. I just, yeah, there's something about Devin that I, I don't, uh, in my fan fiction, Mary ends up with Raven. (laughs) 
I love Raven. Yeah. He loves her so yeah, much. Yeah, Raven. It, yes, he really does. He There's, tries to buy her. <laughs> he loves her so much he tries to buy her. That is the, that is, this book makes you think that that's okay. That that's like really romantic. By the time you're done with this book, that is romantic. That, that Raven tries to buy Mary from Devin. You're like, that's the, there's so cute. A great, there's a great line in there where Raven jumps into the water to try and save her and he gets pulled out. And I can't remember exactly what it is, but it says that Raven tried to a, swallow uh, all the yeah. water. Raven tried to drink up all the water so that Mary would have a dry patch to land on. Yeah. 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 I love that. I was just like, that is why this, that is why I think this book is a must read. For mm -hmm. passages like that, yeah. like things like that, that I'm just like, what a great, like, what a great, like, group of words put together in such <laughs> a unique way in an image, an image that just sticks with you, right? Yeah. Like, the romance of that is, like, so amazing. And that's not even the hero doing it. No. I think that is Devin. He's not. He's, I think Devin yeah. is the one to say it, though. I think it's oh, Rand, it Rand, actually. Maybe, yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Because there's a, during Mary's first escape, um, which yet again turns out to be something that Rand is pulling the strings on, um, she sees <laughs> mm -hmm. that a boat has been left outside. She can see that a, like a little jo a jolly boat, like a little skiff has been left outside. So she fakes a fire. Everyone runs to put out the fire she gets in the boat and then of course it turns out the boat has a hole in the bottom and she gets too far out and um there's a scene where like half the crew tries to jump off the boat to go rescue her and none of them are devon mm -hmm. yes yeah cat gets knocked unconscious so he won't try to save her um raven tries to jump off the boat and when someone tries to stop when the second in command tries to stop him he pulls a, a knife on him to you know mm -hmm. his boss which means he gets whipped later um and then devon is saves her kind of because he was driving by anyways <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah well because he sees the yeah. fire on because it was convenient and, for yeah him. he's coming back and yes he's the one that, like, yeah yeah her yeah, out. yeah but everyone's in love with yeah. mary Everyone's yeah. in love with Mary. But I think the thing that's interesting about about that, which, you know, obviously that's a trope that's interesting, like, or that, that existed, which is like the woman everyone's in love with. But I think it's also, mm. you know, clearly I have to believe that Sharon and Tom were thinking on a different level because of like the queer coding and how well that was done, that they were also mm. thinking about like gender in a larger sense where it's like sort of these men who are only with men and who are so crass that then when like a woman mm -hmm. comes in and it's basically like showing them kindness because Mary, um, you know, is salty. Is kind. She's a kind person yeah. inherently and she's salty with some people, but in general she wants things to be good. She tries to save a squid because she loves it so much. Um, yeah. That needing that, femininity you know not attached to gender but sort of the the concept yeah you would hold on to that so tightly if that is something that you just did not have and it seems like these people did not have mothers yeah. or that sort of level of of care in their lives that like that everyone got obsessed with mary i'm like 
Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I have to say, I'm saying it like I'm sneering uh-huh. at it, but in how it's actualized in the book, I actually think is pretty mm-hmm. charming. And the the way that Raven and Cook and Will Saunders and, and of course, Kat kind of talk about and treat Mary, I find very endearing. And that's why it's so confusing that Devin is such a condescending asshole to her most of the time. I was like, there are plenty of men who are kind and thoughtful towards this woman and who are helping her grow um, why Why this guy out of all of them? Is it because mm-hmm. he's a Duke's son? Well, this boat is kind of lousy with him, so pick a different <laughs> yep. Duke's son. I didn't think the Duke's son was very nice to you. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, exactly. you mentioned kind of that, that scene after he realizes or falsely thinks that she's uh, working with Branville. And then at the end, yeah. I feel like there was a lot of scenes about like her because we're in her point of view most of the time, but it's like her being clearly yeah. attracted to Devin, liking making out with him, but not wanting to have sex with him, even after they're married, in a way that I was like, oh, yeah. this is a holdover of that forced seduction stuff that we had mm-hmm. to do in the 60s and 70s to show that Mary was like still an innocent, where it's like, that's where I think modern day romances are better than this and that Mary could never outwardly be sexual until she was already in the midst of a sexual experience. Until she, in yeah. a way that I found. Well, that's something to talk about. That, that like sex doesn't happen until way deep in the book. Mm-hmm. Way way oh, deep yeah. in the book. I do love that when she has sex the first time, she complains that she liked oral better. <laughs> a relatable, a relatable heroine. Relatable content. <laughs> They end up having sex in a loft randomly too, which I found funny. Yes, in a barn in a barn during a rainstorm. Mm-hmm. With kittens all around. With kittens. That's what makes this book this book is so fucking extra sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or it's like they wake up and there's kittens yeah. everywhere. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, and I don't think that the the one I will say there is Devin I think Devin's big scene in the book is they're married, they've had sex, Mary is asleep, and he can't fall asleep because he is consumed with guilt essentially for everything that happened mm-hmm. on the boat. And he there's a description of him holding her so tight and he has his ear on her heartbeat and he's just convinced that God is going to punish him for everything he did to Mary by Mary dying and so as the plot uh, races towards its sort of big set piece of spy versus spy and the truth being uh, unveiled about Mary protecting her brother and all of this stuff because it turns out her brother has been kidnapped by Michael Granville and Mary and Raven go off to rescue him and then it goes awry and Devin has to step in. There's a scene where Devin is just convinced that God is going to punish him for everything he's put Mary through. And I think, I wonder if um, our dear friends, um, is it Tony, Tom, Tom and Sharon. I wonder if that scene is there to make us like Devin a little more and to get us to forgive Mm -hmm. him. It doesn't quite do it for me, but I appreciate that it's there. He's aware of what he's done. He's aware. Yeah. And 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 the book is aware. Yeah. The no. other, yeah, sorry. But it, it, were you guys hoping for a, a more of a grovel? Yeah. 
Do you guys like a good grovel scene? I do. Yeah, I think it's important that I think something that shows that you can trust a hero is a good apology scene. And so Mm -hmm. sort of the scene that started it all for you (laughs) is, uh, as you called it, and shall ever henceforth be known as sexy malaria. Yes. Sexy malaria. So what was this? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) We've never had a theme song before, and maybe we have one now. What? Well, (laughs) buckle up. Can can I auto-tune that? Yes. Put that at the beginning? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So let's sort of touch down on sexy malaria and what sexy did it mean malaria to you? and let's talk about it. So I never read romance novels for the sex scenes. Yeah. <laughs> and I still don't. I first of all, I'm a writer myself. Sex scenes are really difficult to write and most people fail. You know, it's like trying to write a love poem. Like don't this is don't try and play the hits right out of the gate, right? It's very difficult. And so sex scenes are usually when when the writing starts to show its weakness and um, it's when things can get real problematic or just not sexy, you know? And so when I was a teenager, I realized that I, like, I would flip through pages, like, does the heroine get hurt? Does she need to be rescued? Yes, then I keep it. No, then it gets recycled or I pass it off to a friend, essentially. And so the book coming to me because my friend said, like, oh, you should read this. She gets sick. <laughs> that friend knew you was very sort well. of, She knew me very well, yeah. Um, what I think is interesting about Mary's malaria is that it's pretty grim it, it's not you know a lot of times in a romance novel someone will have like a, a bad fall or something like that and then it's kind of fade out fade in they're all better they get rescued and then they're better um, Mary's malaria goes on for quite a while there's a lot of discussion of the time appropriate treatment for malaria which I guess I would call sexy quinine. <laughs> sexy cute. Quite sexy arsenic. It's, you know, the it starts getting less sexy as it goes on. But for me, what is interesting about that is how does we know that a hero and a heroine that are going to care for each other. I really want to see the hero care for the heroine, and I think that's where hurt comfort comes in for me because a hero can be a swashbuckler, he can be a rake, he can be any, any you know, sort of things. He can be an alpha who, like, fucks. And that's all great, but, like, I want to see the care. So I don't, kn- I, I don't know how else to explain it except for, you know, the time I like Devin the most is when he's taking care and his, his boundaries come down or his walls come down a little and... There's a lot of discussion about how how tragic it would be for Mary to die so far away and completely alone. And when she recovers, it's only because Devin has demanded that his body be filled with as much arsenic as he as hers is. And then they try essentially like a a folk remedy that happens to work, but it makes him deathly ill. And of course, Mary is never told what he's gone through to help her. So I think that's what, that's why the malaria gets sexy for me because it's the care. 
Yeah. But it's also mm-hmm. that this is yet another situation in the book where everyone else's response is almost more interesting than Devin's. Because we know that when Raven comes to say goodbye, he's so upset it makes Kat emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, Kat, when she gets better, it's the first time Kat cries that he can remember. Even Rand comes to say goodbye to Mary and, and he does his own psychological... <laughs> mind mind games but yeah 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 here's the question of the century was the malaria sexy for you yes i feel like the malaria (laughs) is also the first scene (laughs) (laughs) good great i love it we're on the same page we're on the The, same page i think the malaria is also the first scene and especially there's a point in which we realize she has malaria because she starts having like fever hallucinations where she comes up on deck and she's like yelling at Devin and he, we are in her point of view, but we can tell that he's like legitimately concerned. Like he is understanding the gravity of the situation. Once we're in St. Ellis, I think I, the Island. Yeah. St. Elise. Elise. Yeah. Um, There's a scene with, Devin and Kat and they're kind of discussing how she's probably going to die and we haven't done enough and what else can we do and that I also think is the first time we get that hint that Devin is feeling guilty about what he has put Mary through and not you know because Kat accuses of him Kat accuses he said like do you think the weight of your guilt is going to keep this girl Mm -hmm. alive no wake up exactly and I think the part of like the sickbed trope that is so great is sort of when the hero to be like heteronormative, like a male, female is when the hero is Mm -hmm. like, I want to take on her pain. Like, let me be the one to die. Mm -hmm. And in a way that is kind of what almost happens to Devin in that he is given these folk remedies to basically see if the remedies will kill uh, Mary. And I, it's a really, really perfect sick bed scene. I agree. Yeah. And yet that's another scene where Rand Morgan, it turns out that this is all Rand's machinations, which is Saunders was told by a local about this folk recipe and Saunders passes it to Kat. Kat writes it in his journal. Devin shows up with the torn out page that he found waiting on his bed. And oh. it turns out that Rand went into Kat's room, read the journal, tore out the page, put it on Devin's bed as like a hint. Try this. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> Rand. What Rand can't do. Rand, the puppet master. <laughs> I thought master. you were going to say that he got her to get malaria. And I was like, now how in the heck did that happen no 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 no, no. but that's how that that's how they find the 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 recipe the recipe Mm -hmm. the the remedy which is just like that is like nine levels deeper than really needs Mm -hmm. to be exactly but the book is the book is so full of those sorts so full of layers and so full of things that it could just be like oh Mm. i heard this thing we're like i think things aren't as explored but it tells you so much about the characters those those sort of moments yeah clayton was the malaria sexy well, I'm a fan of I'm I'm a fan of the nursing someone back to health scene because what I think it does, especially if I'm just speaking from like the male perspective, is like if you're taking care of 
your significant other, for me, say it's, you know, a, a girlfriend or, or something like that. There's a level of, of care and love that is separated from the sexual relationship in the sense that when you're taking care of somebody, you're focusing exclusively on making sure that they get better. There's no, there, the, the focus on the body is not sexualized. The focus on the body is healing, right? I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly. Not that every time I look at my girlfriend, I'll be like, oh, yeah, you're just a sexual <laughs> object. But I think it, it proves that there is there is a deeper care and love for somebody yeah. when they deal with you being sick. Because mm-hmm. if a guy or a gal, both ways, is only looking at you for sexual means, they're not going to want to deal with the fact that they're puking or they're yeah. feverish or they're doing all these bodily emissions that you you do not find appealing, yeah. right? And I think that's why those work so well in books is that it shows that the hero cares about their partner on a deeper level. And I think that's why I love those kind of things because it does. It proves it's like this is this is somebody looking at someone as a whole, wanting to take on their pain as opposed to just – you know, wanting to have sex with somebody and anything that gets in the way of that, I have no interest in. Totally. So I did, I mean, I de- I definitely love that. And I think that, de- you know, what Devin does is really awesome, uh, you know, that kind of taking on the pain and all that. So I did enjoy it. I will say, EA, if you ever were thinking of having a romance podcast, yes. I think you should call it Sexy Malaria. <laughs> Sexy Malaria, the podcast. I just think that's a great name. <laughs> Uh, a hurt so comfort. I'm just throwing it is out this there. a spinoff? Is this a spinoff from Learning sure. the Tropes? You can be on the network <laughs> if you want. Oh, don't tease a girl. <laughs> I mean, this is my uh, to to zoom out for a second. I'm so fascinated, Clayton, to hear what, if anything, you feel you have learned about, for lack of a better term, women's desires. Like, do you feel oh, like I, you've been given a secret key or do you feel like, what do you feel? What do you think? Tell me everything. No, it definitely is. And I've, I've just mentioned this before because uh, I, I feel like the, the main thing to take away from this podcast for me is like everything that I consume and a lot of people consume, which is it's been this way for years and years and years. And it's just, I think, changing a little bit now is every every piece of culture or creative output by somebody is usually aimed for me Mm -hmm. it's aimed to appeal to me it's aimed to reflect back myself Mm -hmm. people like me and the thing about romance that is so fascinating is that it's not for me Mm -hmm. it's i i have the privilege of being let into this world romance landia that is not set up for my interest, my pleasure for my edification. Mm. And I think that's just that fact. And it's it's if it's not romance, if it's if somebody wants to read media that is aimed for people of color or or queer people or totally. things like that, if you open that door and are respectful and don't expect it to be for you, mm-hmm. you can learn things. And there are those things that I learned from just from the things that Aaron will be like, oh, I, lo- I love this trope and and just talking to other people on this podcast, the tropes that they love and mm. just the way that women look at things, you know, completely differently than men. It's 
it's one thing to have conversations about that with people mm-hmm. and another to read the thoughts of somebody who is trying to convey that mm. in words, yeah. which I mean, I think is deeper because it, to conjure up imagery and to conjure up feelings and things through words is a difficult process, as you know. And and so there's a deeper poignancy and realness to it, I feel like, because a lot of times it's not worth doing if you're not going to actually expose yourself a little bit. So I, that's a long way of saying that I do think that the the thing that I've learned the most is that opening yourself up to other perspectives is super important as somebody, especially like myself, who is pretty much in the majority. Right. And things being aimed at me, and it, it's it's just opened me up to a lot of different different perspectives. I think that's such a good reminder to con- consistently expose yourself to media that is not made for you. It's not you know, yeah, it's not made for you. It's not made. The references aren't yours. Um, the depiction mm-hmm. of of quotidian life is, does not resemble yours, and yet it's completely valid. And it, I'm. It's fascinating to hear you say that, you know, when you read for some something that's not made for you, you get a better perspective and how much stuff is made for you. And I think as, yeah. um, you know, as a white woman, there's a lot that's made for me. Um, and it's a good reminder to, you know, consume things that aren't. <laughs> okay. Who would you sleep with in this book? Oh, yes. Oh, th- I love this. The big, this is our usual segment, which is where we do yeah. profanity. Yeah. Would you fuck them? Who would you but, fuck them? Yeah. So, Aaron, would you want to go first oh, on yeah. this? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, who are you? Like, I am attracted to Devin. <laughs> like, he does seem super Fair. hot. So I'm into That's Devin. Valid. I, you know, Aunt April gets a moment at the end. And I must say, I loved it. <laughs> where basically this <laughs> servant that she is basically, they've been like, I imagine them like sexily fighting each other, kind of like. Henry Court. like. Henry Cork and Anne April. And he purposely messes it up, so you she'll stand. yell at him. And like, there's some di- kinky dynamics happening. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I, think mm-hmm. I could get behind like a Henry Cork April situation. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's like yes. Mary does not seem to be, unfortunately, that into sex. So I don't know how sexy I would find her. And Cat has such a difficult background, yeah. but like, Cat is somebody like I would want to know. Maybe not biblically. Yeah, um, I would definitely <laughs> say. That yeah, I, I, Devin, you got to even though, like we said, he's not the best character, but he's a hunk. I would say Mary, yeah. Mary dressed in her pirate outfit yeah. though. It's, she's <laughs> got to be wearing the pants. That's Ooh. that's that's it. Mary, Mary, and then, the <laughs> and then Cat. I mean, I Cat definitely. Cat does get a good kissing scene. Yeah, we didn't even talk about when that. Mary, Mary. M- yeah, there's a well. That's also an interesting moment in the queer coding. Gay best friend. Maybe, maybe he's in love with her. Maybe he isn't. Question mark. But yeah, Mary is complaining about how she's never been kissed. Cat kisses her. It's hot AF. Very hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't feel anything. And and Rand, no. obviously, no. But talk about yeah. it as a scene that would not. Well, she's happen in love now. Like the way that. The one thing that you cannot do in romance in 2022 is any cheating is shocking. So like yes. that that scene even existed. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Away. I never really thought of that. Yeah. yeah. 
because he kisses he obviously had worked as a sex worker and so he kissed her in the way that he did when he was like working and yeah she could tell oh this this is a um mechanically a very good kiss with no passion behind it and i don't want that yeah it's a kind of a sad it's scene very sad sad and yes. hot sad, sad and hot. sexy I mean, yeah mm-hmm. we're all, we've all been there yeah now the thing with rand is i wouldn't do rand because him having sex with me would be some part of some <laughs> weird plan that he would spring Turns on me while in we're love in with bed your father <laughs> Exactly. I'd be like, what is this whole mm-hmm. explanation afterwards that you lured me in through this and that and all this and it was all your machinations? I'd be like, all right, whatever. Yeah. I'm, we just did it. I'm I'm bored with you talking to me now. <laughs> For me, it's Just let Raven me have my opium and go to just bed. Raven? Yeah, Raven. It's, it's yeah. Raven. Oh. Raven. You're right. Which is so funny because now in my head I'm thinking of the drag queen Raven and I do her oh. too. So, it, you know, it's Ravens all across the board. Very sexy. Yeah. Very sexy. Yeah. Raven, what I think is singular about Raven is Raven, I would argue, is the happiest character in the book. He's pretty carefree. Mm-hmm. He's pretty um, He's pretty joyous. I like a I like a bit of Will Saunders. We don't see a whole lot of Will. He's kind of the grown up of the the younger set. He's the one who kind of he's the one who knocks Cat unconscious so he won't go jumping overboard to save mm-hmm. Mary. He's kind of, he's the more pragmatic mm-hmm. one. But he's also the one who helps Mary when she's like feverish and running running around on on the deck. Um so he's, you know, he's got some I get a I get a slight daddy vibe from Will Saunders. That's all I'll say nice. about that. But yeah, I, Devin, that's a pass. Mary, more respect for you now that I'm grown up. But that's a pass. I think it's Raven, and then maybe Cat, but only if Cat wants. Yeah. Only with hard hearty consent from Cat. Yes. Agreed. It was interesting because you had texted me that there was only one fuckable character in this book, and. It, I am not going to lie that that was kind of in my head as I read the whole book of like, no, who is the fuckable one to her? So it's, it's Raven. Ra- yeah, Makes it's sense. Raven for me. It's yeah, Raven for me. Well, I think of the pirates, definitely Raven. He'd be fun. He'd just be like a good time. He's fun. Yeah. yeah. I honestly, I hope if anything comes from this, I hope that more people read this book and we get some fan yeah, fiction guys. going on. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. I think that that would be, if we can do that, that would be a good thing to bring into the world if we could shepherd in some more fan art, more fan work. Fan art, any, yeah, yeah. Well, this is interesting because I might be wrong on this, obviously, because I'm, I'm a virgin. <laughs> but this, when this book was written... Were series popular? Because now all, almost all romances are. Let's make this a series. No, it's very I think rare that's to have a, anything standalone. I think standalone. that's much more modern. Yeah. But Aaron, what do you think? I agree. I, I'm like trying to think back to any like pre 1990 books that were series following different characters in the way that we know them now, and not just kind of like an outlander. Yeah. Like we're just following the same couple through through different books. So, no, I think, you know. I don't know what Sharon and Tom Curtis are up to today. If they want to talk to us, we're here at any time. That would be great. I mean, it would. I could easily see someone buying the rights to this book and then them packaging a series. Mm-hmm. Like, 
because uh, yes, Cat gets a book, Raven gets a book, Cook and Annie could get a book, Rand definitely gets a book, yes, um, and then a, li- a little steamy novella for Aunt April and Henry Cork. I mean, yes, they are up to some. I love they didn't, that. They idea. never <laughs> gave up that relationship of the servant and the mistress. I think that that carried on however long they were married. Mm-hmm. What is the longest con in this book? Is it Ran- what is Rand's longest con? Is it putting Henry Cork in April's house to keep yeah. an eye, or is it, or is it having Rand having Devin's mother be friends with Aunt April? I feel like Henry Cork came before that. Yeah, because I think he tracked down Mary's mother and immediately was like, "That's right, that's Cork, right. get off the boat. You're you got a new thing you're doing. You're staying yeah. here." Do we imagine that was a reward wow. or a punishment? I mean, the court, I think Henry's the court assignment both of those things. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of both. He's um, been putting ants in her trunk for years. <laughs> so we have two more segments to do, and yeah, I just wanted to check mm. in. Like, time wise, are you good or? We're okay. good. No, we're good. Sorry, we've been going for two hours. That's bananas. Well, t- fifteen minutes. No, of that no, was no. Me don't apologize. You have to understand. In my mind, no one had heard of this book. It was this weird, <laughs> random, lost text that, like, mm-hmm. no one had heard of. So the idea that I have two human beings to be like, is cat gay with is yes. you know okay, because as an adult I feel one way but imagine being 15 and being like I think is is that did he did that <laughs> and especially yeah. in the 90s where like I do think it is so oh. hard to talk about for for younger people to understand what it was what homosexuality and bisexuality and all of all of the LGBT yeah what it was in the 90s compared to now Mm. in that like it was people didn't come out it no it was only there was was, you couldn't be gay you you had to be coded yeah that's all that there was really yeah um all right so these are goodreads lists so now we decide does this belong on the list or off the list I'm fascinated to hear that it's on Goodreads at all. It's, it was on like three or four pages of lists. Oh, wow. That's it. Romance okay. authors, you go back. I mean, romance readers, like you go back, you want to put in your thoughts. Um, so this, uh, a variation of this list 20 times, pirate slash swashbuckling romance. Mm, yes. Yeah. The Absolutely. best of the best. Yes. So many buckles. <laughs> the best of the best romance novels yeah. of the 20th century. Oh, I would say so. Wow. I I would, too. Oh, guys. <laughs> Listen, if we want to get <laughs> a Windflower uh, group chat going, we could just oh, thoughts throughout our God. lives. I couldn't be more in. A <laughs> um, hundred historical romances to read before you die. Yeah. I mean, yep. if there's a hundred, this is certainly on that list. I agree. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Best romance oh, yeah. with a stolen slash captive character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, um, books about bad boys, smugglers, and pirates. Accurate. Romances written yeah. by men. Yeah, yeah, co-written by men, Co- and that is yeah. that's a thing that we. Yeah, it's that's so interesting that this is co-written by by a man. It would be so great to have them on the podcast if they're still around oh, yeah. and willing to talk. But yeah, definitely co-written by a man. The only time that I was like, "Oh, Tom wrote this one." 
this scene. Oh, good question. Yeah. Was when she is in the malaria haze and the unicorn that she has been sort of fantasizing about since she was a child is taking her to her death in her malaria haze. And so she gets up on the back of... Guys, there's so much we didn't discuss. Yeah. Like, yes. you do need to read this book. Um, and so she gets up on the ho- on the back of the unicorn, and she talks about how her breasts are feel as it's going up the back yes. of the unicorn. Yes. And I'm like, you don't think of that. As a woman, I'm just going to say, you don't think of that. <laughs> but, you know... He did a great job, and I'm not going to say yeah. that. I didn't enjoy it. But that was the one thing that I was like, all right. So Tom got one in. Yeah, there we go. Um... Next is Colonial Revolutionary Early American Romance. Accurate. Yeah. And there's not a lot from this period in America. Pamela Clare has a great series called McKinnon's Rangers that takes place during the Franco-American War. That is really good. Mm. But other than that, I I have a hard time thinking of of others. Does that have like sexy typhoid? What what has that got going on? (laughs) There's not a specific. So somebody shot a Sexy hoof and mouth disease? (laughs) <laughs> i'm trying to pick diseases that won't <laughs> insult anybody uh, mouth is a good one yeah yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah there we go i i, I recently recovered so i'm feeling okay <laughs> about joking about it good i'm so glad great romance novels lesser known I, i'm yes i don't think that this is very much in the ether That this fell out of print for 20 years. I am so interested in just kind of the evolution of the book. And then why did it come back in 2014? Just me. Just me. (laughs) Just you. Just me live blogging about it. (laughs) Me and my live journal. It was your... Yeah. You started your change.org. That's right. Uh, That's right. And that was Some of my best work. Some of my best work. (laughs) Truly. A service to us all. Yeah. You know who my first reader was? Serene McKellen. <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, I printed like out. I printed out copies and gave it to him, and signed it. <laughs> All the best. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you say bring this to the queen. Yeah, since yeah, you're nice. yes, exactly. Get her to read yeah, you this. Exactly. So, did you take it to Kinkos and do the thing where you like opened it up and it was like two two pages on one page <laughs> yep. and just handed him a stapled <laughs> collated. That shit was collated. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, so we have male characters we desperately wish were real. Depends on who we're talking yeah. about, but I, I sure exactly. yeah. some yes, some no. Yeah. Devin, no. I don't really have any desperation to see him exist in the real world. No. Concur. A very popularist bad boys meet the virgins. Yeah. Yeah. Devin's a bad boy. Yeah. Most romantic books. Now, for as much as I loved this book. It's not the, like, when I picture a very romantic book, I, like, the longing, and I didn't get that. I think that's a yes. really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, it's not really romantic in that way. It, yeah, like, it, yeah, it, yeah, it's it's a romantic book, but like you said, not in that way. It's romantic in her being to go on an adventure and and meeting new people, being exposed to the world is a romantic notion, but it's not romantic as in Devin and Mary, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, if we think of romance in the classical definition of the genre, which is that it's a comedy that ends with a marriage, right? And it's romantic in that it has melodramatic stakes, 
right? The pirate ship and the war and um, Duke becoming the wife of a Duke and all of these things. Those are kind of grandiose things. But in terms of romance between two people, that doesn't, that doesn't really, that's not why I read it over and over and over again. I didn't read it for the relationship between Mary and Devin, which I think is the great fault of the book. Ultimately, if it, if, if we were to pick one, if we, if we had, if we to, had to pick one, it, it's a big one, which is, eh, you don't really read it for the relationship between the hero and the heroine. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. there's a great bit with a squid in a bucket. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> I love in early in the book, too, where because she had been dreaming of adventure mm-hmm. in Fairfield. And then she's yelling at Devin about how like upset she is about everything. And she's like, and I don't want to be an adventure anymore because the thing with this adventure is you can't just make them stop I love that line. And I was like, that's a great girl. Line. We're so early, Ugh, but it's such a good line. It's a good line. It's true. Yeah. I don't understand why anyone would bother having adventures. They don't end when you want them to. I think it's something yes. like that. Yeah. yeah. So such a good line. Okay. Is this a tattoo you have? Or- <laughs> Do you know how many times I've read this book? <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Um, road trip, best road trip romance novels. Now, no roads, but I the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think they would be if I if I saw this on the list, I'd be like, uh, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't feel. It's not a road trip. A road trip is a very specific thing. So I would say take it off the list. Ooh. Contentious. Yeah. How long do you <laughs> think she spends on that boat? Over a year, because she has a birthday. That's right. Yeah, it's a while. I think it's around 12 months. Yeah. That's a lot of time of a woman in pants, Clayton. 12. I know. 12 months of pants. Don't you you think I know that? (laughs) Those buckskin britches. (laughs) There is something, you know, that there is someone did a... I can't, I'll find it somewhere. We can put it in the link or something. But someone did an examination of how long Bill Murray actually lived in Groundhog's Day. Yeah, And it's something like... A century, like it's a really, really long time. So I think it would be interesting if it, you know, we're all saying it's around a year. What if it was like two years that Mary was on the black yes. joke? I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. What is? Because they do spend a lot of time just waiting. Yeah, like yeah. not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. What is one thing that you would be excited to experience on the black joke, and one thing you would not want to have to experience on the black joke? I would not oh, want to have to get my question. period on the black joke. Oh, that would be. I do yeah, not. She does get. She does talk about menstruation in this book too, which is crazy. Yes, which is also something I really enjoyed. Yeah. Not you know enjoyed, but I appreciated. I should say is a better word. I appreciated there that the logistics of like sh- the reason why Cat because Devin leaves her when she first gets on the ship. Devin leaves her locked in the room with explicit instructions to leave her in there. And basically she gets embarrassed because she starts her period and she has to tell Kat and she's so mortified. She like won't get out of bed and won't eat. And he starts to get worrying, starts to worry for her health. And that's why he brings her out to like meet everybody. (laughs) And when Devin gets back, he's like, so she got her period and you panicked? Like, why? Why? And I was like, Devin, you weren't. And then Kat says something like, you weren't there. She freaked out. (laughs) <laughs> Which I appreciated. Yeah. Something you want to experience? I want the yeah. F- yeah, I would not want to experience the food. Oh, the food sounds horrible. 
the food sounds horrible, mm-hmm. but like honestly, most everything else seemed really fun. <laughs> like climbing around the sails, yeah. getting to talk to people, great jokes, good banter, a lot of rum um, on the open ocean. Rum, <laughs> yeah. There's quite a few things. Yeah, I would not, have enjoyed, not not bad. Yeah, Clayton feelings. Uh, I would have I would have trouble with the facilities. Mm, I yes. do think that would be very difficult. Mm. I always. Anytime I go anywhere, my first thought is, is there a bathroom and what condition will it be in? <laughs> and so I would have a hard time on a pirate ship for a year. Yeah. But, you know, I'd make it work, but it wouldn't be my favorite part of Fair it. Fair enough. Um, we just have a few left. So we have uh, sure. Sweetest Romance Ever. Nope. Would say no. I don't think this is. No, he's not very sweet no, to no. her. He's not it's- sweet to her. If you come here for a sweet romance, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Yeah. Those heroines who can't stay put. She no. does try to escape, yeah. A ton. Yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, is another reason why I liked her more reading it as an adult. Because she's got gumption. Yeah. As much, yeah. As, she, as much as she's naive and kind of like, I'm beautiful and I don't know it. I'm a virgin and it's the most important thing about me. She's got gumption. She, she manages to get away. She really manages to get away once. And then there's a couple... Unsuccessful um, trips, but they all require bravery in their own way. The best is in the coaching end where she just falls into like the goose enclosure <laughs> and then she just kind of stands there, dejected, yeah. like, and these geese are yelling at me, and then just these Devin geese rounds the corner and this is guy, like, and then it's just, oh, God, <laughs> listen. And then he just comes up with a great lie as to why they're together, and that was so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. So much fun. Romances that make you laugh out loud. A hundred percent. Genuinely, yeah. A hundred percent. Ditto. Yeah. Hot, steamy, sensual historical romance books. I'm going to say I, no. No, I don't. Yeah. I, I'm, whenever I'm listening to a podcast that's discussing a piece of media that I haven't seen, I'm always sort of confused and I honestly if you are listening to this and you haven't read this book we're talking about unicorns we're talking about geese we're talking about sexy malaria and rape threats and then the sex isn't that bad it's not really a romance but we're all kind of loving it and like what is going on and I want to say I hear you and I also agree that this is not a steamy romance novel (laughs) but you should read it it's not (laughs) oh yeah don't read it for the steam but I mean it is I mean, there, like you talked about the difficulty of writing rom- of, of writing sex scenes, which yeah. I'm sure is like really hard. But I do think the part why sex scenes work when they work is because you have this buildup of these characters and the sex scene is about something bigger. Yeah. It's a bigger exploration of their relationship that has that it can only happen within this sex scene. Mm-hmm. And in that way, I would say the sex scenes are really good because she and Devin are so free and playful with each other when they're having sex. Once they finally get to it mm. in a way that is really fun and a joy to read. Like, I wouldn't say it's like sexy. Like, I've definitely read sexier scenes, mm. but it it really does a good job if if that is the mandate of a sex scene, that it nails it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and then finally, books you hate to put down. Yep. Yep. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. This is one of those books, too, that I finished it this morning, and I was like, my friends, what are they up to now? I know. I know. What are they doing? What are they thinking about? Like, I, I could I just, know. like, 
when we started reading this book, I did, to be honest, word Clayton, I was like, we got a 500 pager. I'm going to need you to start <laughs> mm-hmm. earlier. Because yeah. normally we'll start books at like Friday night to, to talk about on Monday. But I was like, you know, it's going to be a lot. And then at the end of this, I was like, I could stay for longer. I know. And yeah. don't you feel like if there was a cat book or a raven book, you'd be like, well, I know I'm reading what I know what I'm reading next. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I think we would definitely, if there was a cat or a raven book, it would be the next book that we read for the podcast. Ugh. 100%. I think we'd have totally. to keep it going. Yeah. 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 We would just do an accidental series. Tom and Sharon yeah. get in touch. We'll What's help up, you. We'll, 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 we'll get a whiteboard. We'll get some index cards. We'll, we'll brainstorm yes. with you. Come on. Let this be Rand Morgan's longest con of all. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, that's a sampling of the list, like I said. But, uh, EA, did you put together any tropes? I did. I did put together a couple tropes. Um, Okay. Beautiful but doesn't know it. Mm -hmm. Virgin. Kidnapped. Pirates. uh, Highborn but slumming it which was not on that mm-hmm. list, which I think is a pretty big trope. Um, yeah. Gay best friend? Question mark? Maybe. Hurt comfort. Bisexual best friend, yeah. at least? Yeah, yeah. something. Uh, hurt comfort, sick slash sick bed. Mm-hmm. And married for her safety. Like mm-hmm. ma- when, when Devin finally realizes that Mary is innocent and she's not a spy and she's not working for Michael Granville, he sends he basically marries her that night because he realizes that she's been on a pirate ship for a year and her reputation is in shatters so he marries her and that's when she discovers that he's a duke marriage of convenience he marries her and she's so tired that she's just like i just want to sleep so yeah i'll marry you if i can i think that whole sequence is very funny like she's so tired that when he and then there's a thing about how he made a mistake in letting her sit letting her sit down for the ceremony so she falls asleep and he says okay you have to say i do and she says oh you're gonna do whatever you want anyways (laughs) it's so good so So those are the tropes i had clayton clayton how much do you think of how much do you think of the their relationship is similar to uh the relationship that sharon and tom had Great question for Sharon and Tom. Mm. Uh, Tom. Yeah. yeah. Now we're writing Sharon uh, well, well, and Tom fan fiction. Listen, it's inevitable. <laughs> yes. is, is there, okay, is there a movie about them writing this book that cuts between them writing the book and the segments of the book a la, like, um, Stop. Princess Stop Bride? Stop talking right now. Stop talking right now so that no one else can take this <laughs> idea because the three of us are just going to We need to cut it and immediately write it. And I are, we're going to stay on the soup until we've got a, a working draft. Just stop talking. Yes. That's what's yes. <laughs> That's what's so <laughs> this immediately transitions tropes. into a writer's room. Yeah. Exactly. I'm, I'm, um, I'm my ready. Tropes, so the tropes that you didn't mention, EA, yeah. is uh, of course women in... <laughs> women in pants. Women in pants, of course, my favorite. There's something about Mary, R R Y, and uh, yeah. <laughs> something about Mary, yeah. I mean, I can't beat that one. So, Aaron, what are your tropes? 
Uh, I mean, nothing crazy. So pirate romance, captive romance, big misunderstanding, which is basically like, who is Mary? <laughs> yeah. Under- misunderstanding. Women in Pants, A Great Adventure. I wrote Love Boat because it's just like oh, good call. falling in love on a boat. Yeah. Sheltered heroine, dangerous hero, criminal hero, secret aristocrat. Yeah. Um, The Claiborne Lean. So Kate Claiborne, who's a romance author we love, mm. um, yes. talked about on Twitter about the great moment when a romance hero just kind of leans at a doorway and talks sardonically to the heroine mm. how that's maybe the sexiest thing he does that twice in this book so we got two Claiborne leads oh nice um and then sick bed romance nice oh and spies great spies too. yeah yeah i can't believe we've come to the end in just a quick two hours <laughs> <laughs> we what are it's what worth are, it quick, yes. quickly what are things we didn't really talk it. about unicorn Unicorn. Spying, um, really. The war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone's parents. Yes. Like Kat, Kat's parents, Devin's parents. parents. Yeah. That's something, too, that I love. Is So basically, it's like Devin's parents, like his father fell in love with his gardener's daughter. And they get married. And because he's a duke, they're like, I guess it's fine. What I loved about that is like how wonderful Devin's mother is. Also, just a book about her gardening. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Aileen's gardening book I will (laughs) read yeah (laughs) Um, but how it sets up that like for Devin marrying Mary would not seem like a downgrade to him yeah like how that had been established within his family and I was like not never stopping we didn't talk about what on earth happens to the black joke after Mary and Devin leave the ship which we don't really know a whole lot of yeah we didn't talk about we we didn't talk about sales He's my other, he's like my favorite tertiary oh. character, Sales. Sales. He's a good guy. He's f- f- Mary's first friend that she makes outside of Cat. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk mm-hmm. about like, we didn't really talk about boat stuff. <laughs> you know, all the, all the boatiness, <laughs> really. all the boat stuff going on. Yeah. Listen, we could, well, we, we could, could do just a part keep, two. We could just keep going, man. Let's just, just keep going. going. Hilarious. <laughs> Let's just but what we going. need to do is get enough people to, to read this book so that we all have more people to talk to about this book yes because and then i want to i want someone to point out one of Rand's machinations that we didn't either didn't pick up on or didn't discuss because there's a whole lot more of them i'm sure we didn't talk about mary's brother no we did talk about carl which is carl a a weird name for somebody to have an 18th name Carl. It does feel that way. Yeah. Since the famous Revolutionary War spy, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> He's in all the history yeah. books. Littered with Carl. Yeah, yeah. You know that dashing <laughs> buccaneer, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Carl could have his own book, too. That's totally yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Or her and Raven in the ice chest, and then there's like the yes. shooting at the ice, and then the ice. It's there's so much. There's yeah, so much more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, everybody They're leaving this. so much money on the table here with all these spin-offs. Mm-hmm. They you know. I know. Incredible. Well, thanks for reading oh. this book, you guy. Yeah. 
thank you for bringing this book to us. Like this was a joy to read. This was so much fun. And then getting to talk to you about it. This has been such a joy as well. A delight. Yeah, this was awesome. This is my swoon of the week. It can't be my swoon of the week. I yeah. have a I have a separate swoon of the week. Okay, good. Yeah. So like I, you know, we always like to end every podcast with what we're swooning about. So let's as our guest, what are you swooning about this week? What I'm swooning about this week, I, I have a high-low option. I brought a high high and a low. So my highbrow, and it's not really that highbrow because of chopping, um, is the real real, which mm. is used luxury goods. Um, basically, all of my clothes <laughs> come from the real real at this point. Um, and my favorite thing is when you buy something from them, they send you um, information regarding how much carbon and how much water you saved by um, rebuying things. I'm very into upcycling. I really try not to buy any new clothing. And sites like the real real um, are very helpful. I've bought clothes. I've bought household things wine glasses and serving spoons and dresses and it just brings me a lot of joy and then um somewhat related is I um my other swoon is stasher bags which are ziploc bags that are made out of like a heavier um material that um you never have to throw away and because i feel so bad throwing away plastic bags um that i finally mm -hmm. just got like a full set and i believe there's a sale on right now i don't know why i'm mm -hmm. pitching stasher bags but if everybody <laughs> stopped good. throwing away plastic sandwich bags the world would be a better place and i find that unlike other alternatives they clean really well in the dishwasher which is really you know the make or break thing so i'm all about trying not to buy new things and trying to make sure that everything in my house is reusable to the nth degree. So stash your bags in the real .com. That's Those are my those spoons. Are I love the real real. The real real also has um, super luxury candles. Yes. I discovered recently and I was like, oh, I can get behind these, mm -hmm. the Trinion candles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice. And then I, if I could turn you on also to Vestiaire yeah. Collective, Ooh. which is like the real real, but then you can make offers on things oh so if you're like this is just maybe like 20 bucks more than i want to spend you make an offer sometimes it's accepted Ooh, the gamification of the situation oh, yes. uh-huh you'll spend some time there as well <laughs> excellent uh clayton what has you swooning this week so my swoon is a book that I recently read. It is Mel Brooks' memoir called All About Me, oh, yeah. <laughs> My Remarkable Life in Show Business. And it's such a quick, fun read. I mean, I'm a sucker for any book that starts with growing up in New York City. <laughs> and he's so, so it's as corny as you'd expect it in a great way, because Mel Brooks is just so full of life, so funny, anything for a joke. It goes pretty much over his, just his life, uh, his creative life, as opposed to his personal life. Although there are many places where he mentions his beloved, unfortunately passed away wife, Anne Bancroft. And just the way he writes about her, that romance just seems so sweet to me. Mm. And it's heartbreaking to know that she's gone. Mm. And, you know, his friendship with Carl Reiner, who also recently so passed away. Cute. But just, <laughs> it's so cute. They used to spend every night together watching the TV. TV it was like, oh, so cute. Yeah. <laughs> so he, the way he speaks about his friends, he still has these long running lunches he goes to with people. 
And he just seems like such a great guy. I I mean, grew up on his movies. Who didn't, as a kid, watch Mel Brooks movies and just pee themselves laughing? So I would say if you're a fan of his, if you want like some light reading that is non-controversial in any way, I would say read this book, All About Me by Mel Brooks. I love that swoon. Yeah, that's a great swoon. That's a good one. I like a good auto because it makes me think also of uh, Martin Short's autobiography. That's so good. Oh, what's his? That's what's his? It's called spectacular. Like, You're welcome, or something. It's not that, but it's something to that <laughs> in that vibe. That's really good too. But no, I I'll read the Mel Brooks one. That sounds great. Aaron, what's your swoon? Thank you yeah. for asking. <laughs> I'm ready. So my swoon is a TV show. TV is uh, my favorite thing after romance novels. We all know. Um, and so I've been a huge fan of a New York-based comic called uh, named Bridget Everett for a long time. And she used to have a show at Joe's Pub. I just have always just loved her and thought that she see, she was very funny but had a, a kindness to her. There's just like an energy about her that I just find to be really magical and, and have loved her. And so she has a show now on HBO called Someone Somewhere. And it is about a woman who has to move back to her small town in Kansas uh, to take care of her sister who's dying. Her, and it takes place after her sister has passed away. And it's sort of her character trying to pick up the pieces. And it's just a really, it's funny, first of all, entertaining, but it is just really, really well done. And I mm. think as much as I love New York and everything should take place in New York and people should only live in New York. Um, no, 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 that's true. Oi. But having or la thank I you guess, if you can't live in new york <laughs> but um the the idea of also that it be it takes place in kansas which is just not a place i have any point of reference for so mm. i don't know if it's an accurate portrayal of kansas or not somebody from kansas can tell us but i just find it really interesting the side characters are amazing it's just a really beautiful funny engaging show and i'm so grateful that hbo is only putting out once a week because otherwise i would mainline the show Mm. immediately and this is some nice delayed gratification but um someone somewhere is is really great lovely great so aaron where can they find us so i know it's so sad to end guys i feel like we've lived here for so long and now yeah i know well first we uh, thank you again to ea for coming on the show it has been so wonderful and of course if you want to come back the door is always open this has been such a pleasure delight i really truly can't thank you enough thank you so much for joining me in a safe place to discuss sexy malaria (laughs) yes of course uh keep an eye out for ea's podcast sexy malaria (laughs) (laughs) podcasts are found Um, yeah and other hot ailments and other hot ailments get ready for tumescent hoof and mouth Mm. oh yes (laughs) and also if you have any sexy disease books that you want to recommend yes. to EA, say there's yes. one she hasn't read, which feels hard to believe. Yes. You can reach her on Twitter at EA, uh, at EA Hanks. I almost said at EA Hanks, just at EA Hanks. That's the way Twitter works. That's Do you correct. have any other ways for people to reach out to you or anything else you want to sort of talk about? I've got, uh, as we mentioned, I have a book coming out in 2023. It is not about sexy malaria, unfortunately. 
Uh, it's a nonfiction book about um, many things, which I'll keep quiet on for now. But in the meantime, you can also find me um, on Instagram, and I'm also EA Hanks over there as well. Come say hi. Great. That's great. You listen, you snatched up EA Hanks in every platform. That's it, basically. Basically, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, guys. So if you uh, please don't forget to rate, review, and follow us. Um, you guys do a great job of, of reviewing us. It's how people find us. I know we say it every episode, but we mean it every episode. Um, if you have any um, sexy disease books that you want to pass on, us to pass on, if you Is this have... my legacy? Is this <laughs> yeah, my brand? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. We have a... Um, or just recommend a book that you feel like has been overlooked that should be added to the romance canon. You can always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. If you have thoughts about The Windflower, let us know. Oh, please. Uh, we are on Twitter. Yes, yes. We'll forward those as well. Uh, we are on Twitter at Learning Tropes. We are on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. We have our Facebook troop, the Learning the Tropes troop. You can find us on Patreon. If you go onto Patreon and just search Learning the Tropes, we will come up. Um, we right now we're reviewing a lot of romance related media so we did Mrs. Winterborn I think we uh, we are doing the HBO series Starstruck um, so come over to hang out with us there and guys that's it and until next time happy reading happy reading <laughs>